and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Peason. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have Caitlin Brook, actress, stunt performer. She's worked on Westworld and other great shows that we love. We can't wait to talk to her today. How have all you been? Give us a call at 515-602-9609. We want to hear what what you've been through. Now, I know you've been waiting. Well, maybe not waiting. But I, I know you wait for the end of the episode for me to give you our lecture of the day. My thing of the day. But today I'm going to give it to you at the beginning. Grudges during quarantine. Grudges during quarantine. Now I know I've told you a thousand times on this on this show to reach out to those people that you love, you care about whether they reply or not, or they're okay or not. I want you to reach out to those people and see if they're okay. I know your ego gets in place. I know your ego fights you. I understand that. But you have to fight that as well. You have to reach out to those people and see if they're okay. Grudges are not a bad thing. Grudges are there to protect you from people who've hurt you, who've harmed you times before. And you begrudge them. Because of those things. And I understand that. I understand that. I believe that. Are you salvaged to that? Are you a prisoner to that? No, I don't think so. Unless you're a coward. I reach out to people regardless. Regardless if they want to reach out to me or whether they want to hear from me, I want to know if they're okay. I want to know if they're alive, if they're okay, if their family's okay. If you really love somebody, don't you? You say you loved, loved that person. Do you care? Just reach out. Reach out to people. See if they're okay. See if they're fine. They don't reach back. I mean, that's their issue. I mean, I've had that issue several times. I've I've reached out to people who I've cared about and who I've loved and who I've... Including family members. Including family members. Who I've cared about and I've loved and they have zero issue to not 
reach back. And they have not reached back at all. And I have to be fine with the fact that at the very least, I reached out. This is what we do during quarantine time. During alone time. During think about your lifetime, which I've told you a thousand times during our broadcast. What do you do? You reach out. You say hello. You say, how are you doing? And whether they respond or not, that's, that's their problem. That's their issue. But you must reach out. You must. And if, you're, if you don't, you're a bit of a coward. These are really strange times. And, it, you know, I'll be honest, e- even before these times, you can get hit by a car tomorrow. It does not guarantee you 100 years of life. <laughs> you can get stricken down by any disease in the world, including AIDS, which was my first mentor died of. And he died very young. And you don't get to say goodbye. And it's done. It's all done. So what do you do these days? Reach out to people. Say hello. Say goodbye. Say whatever you need to say to make this whole thing last. Oh. Now that I've kept you down for as long as I have, uh, this is Central Files Radio. I'm Steve Bisa. I've already said that before. <laughs> but I, I know I wait for the end of the show to say this when, you know, the guests are, at, are, you know, out of ears link and they have to hear it later on. But I want to I wanted to say it now because I know you're listening to the very beginning of this show. And grudges are horrible. I, I understand that they protect you from things that have hurt you before, but they hurt you from the future. And they hurt you from who you are right now. And who you are is strong. And who you are is powerful. And who you are is right now, not before. We have Caitlin Brooke on right now. Let's give her the clap track. Let's give her a chat. Let's talk to her today about everything she's done before. I've met her before at a uh, stunt bowling. I don't. I don't know what to say. Stunt bowling industry thing or stunt bowling uh, fun. <laughs> let's, give, let's give her a little clap track right now. <laughs> Caitlin. Nice, nice. What's up, Steve? How are you? Good. How are you doing? 
Tim, I'm so good. I feel like I'm very welcomed with this clap track. It's like the world is listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love talk. I love talking to you before. You know, you and I had a very long conversation at the, uh, I believe, at the I Stunt Bowling in uh, Bowling event. Before, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you had you had a a a big stunt event the day the day after. So how are you doing? Before we get started, how are you? How are you and your family doing during this time? Oh my gosh! Um, thank you for asking. Uh, we're holding we're holding up. I mean, um, you know, my whole family's in Arizona, so but they're all healthy. They're all happy. Uh, my sister actually just moved back to the Phoenix area yesterday. Yay. So fantastic! I am I'm holding down California now. Um, so yeah, everyone's everyone's happy, healthy, you know, which is all we can really ask for right now. And um, right, you know, we're anxiously awaiting the, you know, the world to go back to normal. <laughs> now let me ask you a question. Uh, what, what, you know, sure. the basic, the just the basics. What what do you like for me? I miss not washing my hands like a psychopath. Like I wash my hands. <laughs> I wash my hands like I just, I wash my hands like I murdered somebody. You know, what is the right. one thing like simplistic that you, that you miss? Oh, well, I washed my hands like a crazy person prior to this. So that was not a change for me. Um, <laughs> let's see. What, something simple that I miss, you know, honestly, I think, what was simple for me is just, of course, it's communing with friends, but I would right. go and get coffee like three times a day with three different friends. Oh, and get so, out of here. Um, You're one of those people. I, I do, oh my I God. People. I love coffee. And when I can do it with friends, it's amazing. So yeah. um, I miss that. The cleanliness thing. I'm a little OCD about being clean already. So right. Right. there isn't really a big change there for me. Um, other than having to wear a mask and it bothers up my sunglasses, which I now have a greater appreciation for people <laughs> who wear glasses and have had this problem before. You know, I, 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 I meet this track of people that are a running group or a track group and they're <laughs> staying by the uh, coffee house. Yes. Which is incredibly popular. You know, uh, who who goes there? It's like some of the biggest stars, the hugest stars go there. And I go around them like as if they have the, I mean, I, like they have the Ebola virus. Like whatever virus right. is like the most, you know, I, I, I like walk in the streets. I go around them and they look at me and they laugh. But it's really like, you know, if you want a cup of coffee, like I don't want to get what you got, you got in order to, you know, get a cup of coffee. I'm sorry, but uh, it'll oh, be over yeah. soon. It'll be over soon. I'll oh, see yeah. you soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you get hey, that the feeling ever? Group, they're gonna, the cyclist group still go as one large unit. To these are, are, are you, are you not kidding me? Virus, Thank you, know? you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you for saying that. You know, the cyclist group go there no matter what. Absolutely. You know, um, what's, what's crazy is I recently became a, a, a member of the Peloton family. And oh my God. I was not a cyclist. Yes, and I was not a cyclist outside of this. Like, but I was like, gosh, you know, I got to work out. Um, my sister had a Peloton bike. I got so addicted. 
And now I've got my group of my Pelly family, you know. And so I get, I kind of get the cyclist mindset now, except I'm right. inside and not outside. But that right. community of just, you know, just rolling together. It's, well, communities it's make a lot. I mean, it just, it just makes a lot of sense, you know. I see these these riders, I see these runners going around. And even though I've never been, you know, I've been a martial arts kind of person since I was just a small child. And I've never mm-hmm. understood these groups ever before, but I understood, I understand these groups now because they, they don't have a grouping. They don't have anybody to go around them. They don't have anybody to, and, and when they do, it's like two or three people and what have you, but you know, they're not wearing masks, you know, cause wearing masks while you're running is just ridiculous. And riding your bike while you're while you're riding your bike is just ridiculous. But I got to be honest with you. When I see them, it freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they, they probably look at other at other groups of people and think the same thing. Right. No wonder. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, so you said about your family being in Arizona. Have you have you lived in Arizona your entire life, or were you an LA girl your entire life? No, uh, I'm originally from Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota. We, Minnesota. Thank goodness. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Sure. Oh, you'll hear me say, "Oh, sure." That's probably the one thing I have left from the Minnesotan like lingo. Of really. Sometimes I'll say, "Oh, sure," and people will be like, "Wait a minute." No, oh, sure. Somewhere. Are you with Wisconsin oh. or like Minnesota? Yeah. No, that's Minnesotan. Oh, sure. For sure. Oh, sure. Um, and then I transplanted to Arizona when I was very young, about four or okay. five years old, um, with my mother and my brother. And they, everybody, you know, my dad ended up moving back to Arizona. Um, and now my sister moved back to Arizona, and I'm the only one who's, who's now out of state. So Now in California. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. How did your family yes. feel about you being in California? Uh, when I first, man, I've been here for about 10 years. Um, yeah. When I first moved here, my sister had already lived here at one point for a couple years. So the idea of having a daughter move to California was not foreign to them. Um, but hmm. when I moved out here, I think the biggest, I don't want to say struggle, but the biggest fear or scare for any parent was, you know, I was going into this entertainment industry, this beast of an industry um and that was pretty for my for my mom it was pretty uh fearful in the sense of like you know right she knew you know i was i was going to get approached with different things or i'm gonna it's an industry that eats people alive if you don't have a really good foundation um of who you are morally uh spiritually emotionally that kind of thing um you can really get sucked in right and so that was something my my dad knew. He's like, ah, you're good. My dad's that guy. He's like, you're fine. Right. We raised you. Good luck. Um, but, you know, being a mom, she was just like, you know, be careful, sweetheart, you know, because uh, we're, we're a big faith-based family. So she was very much like, keep God at the center of your life and everything, you know, he'll take care of you, and which right. has proven to be so true. Um, really? But she's, she's good. Yeah, she's good now. My mom's comfortable with me being out here. She misses me, of course, but she she's supportive of the industry I'm in now, so. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> you know, I, you know, when I met you, you know, I met you a, a couple of times, actually, I met you at the tours awards and then met you at the, at the, um, at, at the bowling alley, uh, the stunt mm-hmm. awards and what have you, you know, I, I never, you never struck me as the kind of person who, 
I don't know what to say, um, took kindly to idiots. <laughs> yeah, you never struck me as that kind of human being who took took kindly to morons. You know, you were very strong. You were very, um, I wouldn't say idealistic, but you were, you were very straightforward with what you were doing. You were about to do a, uh, an episode of Westworld the next morning. And you didn't take you didn't you didn't take any guff from anybody, so you were you were incredibly strong. So, you know, did, did were you just born with that, or was that did I come from like a martial art upbringing, or, or a, a stunt upbringing? What, what, how did you grow up being that kind of strong human being that we know of today? Um, thank you uh, for saying that. First of all, that means a lot to me. Um, I have oftentimes get the whole very strong, independent, intimidating at times, like this woman who I would, I, I would say right now, I would say right now, you're not intimidating. You were very welcoming, but it's, it's not one of those welcoming mm-hmm. that lends on to, you know, I want more, t- more of your time than, I, than I have. Does that make sure, sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want more of your time than I have. I, I, I have a limited amount of time, and you have a limited amount of time to talk to me, and this is what we have. And mm-hmm. that's not, I don't think that's intimidating except for weak human beings, but you're, that was just strength. That was just, I, I need to do what I need to do. I, I don't mean, I don't mean sure. to, to, to get in your way, but please continue. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... I mean, it is about uh, parenting, how I was raised. I really do believe that. Um, I think having a good sense of self uh, before I jumped into a career, I'd been in the music business for a really long time prior to jumping into stunts. And that really, I had to develop a really tough skin in knowing that my parents taught me, it's okay to say no. There's more power. There's just as much power in saying no than there is in saying yes. Um, don't keep yourself out of any situation that you feel can drag you down because it is so much easier to be drugged down than it is to drag people up to your, you know, to your level. Um, It's just a matter of like my, my values, uh, the people I choose to surround myself with. uh, I'm, I'm very clear on that. It's not that uh, I won't befriend anybody, but if you're going to be, uh, in my life consistently, you know, I have a very specific type of person that I choose to uh, give my time and, uh, you know, because if it, I'll give you 150% um, right. if, if you're in my world uh, to that capacity. Um, but it is, you know, my, my dad and my mom, I mean, I have to be able, and my stepdad, uh, credit them. And, uh, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. And I think, you know, my faith is probably, and most people who know me, is is the most important thing to me. And uh, I think that's why I'm so clear on my path, what I, what my purpose is in life. You know, my purpose isn't to be a stunt, per, you know, a stunt performer. Um, mm-hmm. That just, I'm just blessed with that career at this chapter in my life. And I'm so grateful sure. for it because of the amount, the amount of people, I've wonderful people that I've uh had the opportunity to encounter. Um, but, you know, my purpose is to be a light in a dark place, you know, and if that's 
in the film industry now, awesome. If that's going to be in another industry in a few years, awesome. Um, right. I think that's why I don't, I, I don't have, I don't waste time because I, I know exactly why I'm here and what I'm meant to do. Um, hmm. So that's, and that's a huge blessing, I think. Yeah. Uh, for me. It, it is so a huge blessing. So many people are searching. Yeah. It makes you know, a lot of so sense. People don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think about com- my conversation about grudges and, and, and what have you? Uh, oh, sure. Um, I caught the tail end of it where you were saying how you, uh, you know, especially in times of quarantine right now, it's like, listen, we, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow and we aren't guaranteed right. 15 minutes from now. I, that is 100% true. We don't know right. when um, our purpose has been fulfilled on this planet. Um, and like you said, I mean, I've been in, I've been in multiple serious car accidents where honestly there, I should not have survived there. You right. know, where EMTs are telling me like, there's no way you should have survived this car crash. But you know, I've had multiple experiences like that where I'm like, you know what? There's a pastor that I listened to. Uh, if I may quote them, they said, sure. if you're not dead, God, God's not done. If you're not right. dead, God's not done. And I, I believe we should go in every day knowing that, you know, okay, we're, we still have breath in our lungs. We need to be, we need to extend kindness. We need to not hold grudges. I am that I'm a person who tries my darndest to not hold a grudge, but I am human. So of course I have in the past, um, right. but now is a perfect time quarantine. I mean, we're, we're, we're isolated. We have time to reflect and right. do what you can. Wow. I, I do agree and and do what you can to write you know, even if you don't feel you're in the wrong, to try and right, right. that wrong. If you just you just say I'm sorry, and like you said, you cannot control somebody's reaction. Um, right. But at least you said your piece. You let that weight go on yourself. Um, and I I feel that's a really good thing to do. <laughs> you know, I, I, I myself, you know, I don't mind you saying religious things. I, I myself, I'm a Buddhist, but I'm I'm very religious. I'm an agnostic. Mm-hmm. I was born Catholic, so. You know, I, I'm very much, you know, I, I, I say God, God bless you and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I believe in, in those things and, and grudges during this time don't make a lot of sense to me when you can easily die from a car accident like in, in five seconds. And then your, your grudge doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe you want to hold that grudge. Maybe you think that grudge is going to last a hundred years, but it doesn't last a hundred years. It, it, yeah. it, it's just, it's just over. And I, I just don't believe yeah. in those kind of mentalities, especially in these times. And I, I constantly talk to my audience, which we have 1400 people listening to, to us right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in, in those kind of, those kind of begrudging personality perspectives of holding on to anger and what have you. If you, if you believe in a sort of God, if you believe in a sort of spiritual being, there is a way of getting beyond these perspectives that, uh, that I, that I speak of. There's a way of getting beyond these because we, we don't know how long we have, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Anyways, Anyways, it was it was glad talking to you about those things, but let's talk about your acting. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for talking to me about those sure, things. Let's, no, <laughs> let's get so so you 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 came from Arizona, you know, and mm-hmm. from Minnesota, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> what in the what in the world got you into acting slash 
stunt performing? Well, this is a fun story, Steve, let me tell you. Um, I want to hear it. it. You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody has, uh, which I've come to find, is, is such a beautiful uh, tapestry in, our, in the stunt community of everybody's journey is different and how they got into stunt. Um, you know, whether they were a martial artist, whether they're like, you know, an NFL player or like, you know, an athlete mm-hmm. just in general, a gymnast, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so I've, I've got to hear a lot of really cool stories. And I love sharing mine because um, I haven't met somebody who has had this entryway into stunts outside of myself. And if you're listening and you have had the same experience, please hit me up. I would love to talk to you. Um, so like I said, I was in the music industry um, full time prior uh, let, to doing stunts. Let, let, let's pause right there. Just one second, mm-hmm. please. I want to know about your stunt, about your, about your music industry stuff first. Before we get into anything else, because, I, because you, you mentioned it before and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I want to know yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah. about, please. Okay. So growing up, when I was four years old, I did my first yeah. performance. I did a Christmas show. I was, you know, I sang. I, I knew from four years old that I wanted to be, I was going to be a singer or nothing. Like that was my dream job. Wow. Um, to be a singer, to do the tours, to, to go all over the world, to have the albums. That was my dream job. And Growing up, uh, my parents, my mom, and my dad both were, you know, musically inclined in the sense that they were vocalists themselves. My dad was a musical theater coach. Um, so that career was, they supported 100%. Um, you know, I went, when I got, I think it was eighth grade, I did, I joined a, a touring group called the Continental Singers. Uh, it was audition-based group where people from around the country can send in, you send an audition tape at the time. This is how long ago that was. You had to send in a physical tape and uh, you singing. And then uh, they did an interview process. And then if you got on the tour, you went on tour for about about two months. You could go on tour anywhere from Thailand to South Africa to Eastern Europe, which, um, and every year you had to re-audition. It was a ministry-based group. So we not only did a two-hour show, uh, but we would also help in the areas of the world that we would go to. We would work with orphanages. Um, we would work with church, like help rebuilding churches or just the community in general. So we were also giving back to to these places that we were performing in. So you were a religious um, I group. I did that for. It was a yeah. It was a it was a Christian-based uh, singing ministry. I understand. So anywhere from kids. Yeah, kids from, I think my first tour, I was 13, uh, uh-huh. all the way till I was 20, 21. So I did it every Fantastic. summer for eight years. Went, I went to, this is how I got to travel the world so much. I mean, I went to Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, Thailand a few times. Wow. South Africa, all 50 states. Um, and that was not only incredible because I got to experience this tour life. I mean, we were on a tour bus, we were flying all over the world. Um, and you got to spread your, your you got to spread your, you got to spread your word of your belief throughout all Absolutely. these countries. Wow. That's incredible. I think, I think the coolest experience is when, when I was doing it when I was younger, I was performing in front of kids who were my own age. I mean, uh, at the time on one of these tours, I was suffering from anorexia. I had an eating disorder at the time. And okay. I was singing a song 
that was called The Real Me. I can't remember the artist that it's originally by, but, you know, here I am singing about, like, uh, don't look at the outward appearance because what matters is on the inside. You know, and I remember I had a moment. It was in South Africa. We were in Johannesburg, and I just started in my cave. I just started crying. I started crying in the middle of the song because I'm like, how can I be singing about this message when I'm suffering? You know, I'm I'm a victim to it myself, and I remember – Nobody knew um, right. that I had an eating disorder at the time. I had about 10 to 12 girls in South Africa at this one show come up to me in tears, crying and saying that they were suffering from the exact same thing I had. And right. I remember like, what a, what a moment, what, that was such a healing moment for me because it's like, um, this is exactly why I wanted to be a singer or why I wanted right. to be involved in music because it transcends language. It transcends culture. Um, you have the opportunity to impact lives and these girls were my age and it was what an incredible moment so um I, I was so blessed to be able to go to different countries and see how lucky we are here in america you know there were kids over there who didn't even have shoes and they had a smile on their face right you know and i'm like how i'm, I'm over here complaining that i don't have 16 pairs of shoes you know and you know we have so much to be you know that, that, that that's that's not fair uh, you know, you know, that's not fair by you comparing each other to each other. You know, it's a disease and it's not partisan and has nothing to do with what you have. I mean, I, I know you've been told this before by by probably your therapist, but that that does not make sense. You know, it, it's bipartisan. It's, it's your life. It's not their life. It's your existence. Let me ask you a question. Oh, I'm here. I'm. Let me. No, I know you're here. But l- l- let me ask you a question. You know, was it more of a you know not eating by not eating? Was it spreading your food apart, or was it a vomitous kind of kind of uh, kind of kind of uh, theory? The eating disorder. Yeah. Uh, me struggling from that. Um, right. Well, let let me preface that by saying what when it came to me seeing kids my own age in a different scenario, what right. it did for me was it, it gave me a, a deeper sense of gratitude. Right. Um, when I came back home, I was not, I was not trying to say, I'm like, I'm comparing our situations. Cause I know like that they're in a totally different part of the world. Right. And, right. You know, I, what it did for me and a lot, and what was a huge fat, like building block for my life is like, I can go through life really having this deeper sense of gratitude and thankfulness for what I do have. And it gave me an even bigger heart to give, to right. help, to, of course. Um, to recognize those who have less because what we have doesn't make us happy. You know, these material things is not what gives us, you know, really great happiness. So I think for me, it was just a really, awesome opportunity to develop that characteristic even greater um, than what I had prior to Um, touching base on the, the eating disorder. Um, I, I was diagnosed uh, when I was, I think in eighth grade with what's called LPA disease. And that is a a, a lipid problem in the blood. Okay. Um, So it, it, it leads towards um, greater risk for heart attacks and strokes. Um, yes. Because I have a clotting, a blood clotting problem. Yes. So um, I was put on a particular medication when I was uh, very young and I had to go see a dietitian who, you know, I, I grew up being an athlete. Um, right. So I was very muscular. I was very, I like, have an athlete's body, not the 
skinny mini, but right. studies had shown with this particular medicine. Um, if I was in a, I, I think most of our audience knows how what your body looks like. You know, they, they, yeah. they, we we have a huge audience right now. They know what your body right. looks like. You know, you definitely have an athletic body. Yes, but that makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so they were just like, you know, your uh, this medicine has proven to um, whatever work better in a, a weight specific range. So I worked with a dietitian. I had to drop 10 pounds, which was, I mean, that was easy for me in the sense of just changing my diet. But I was in high school at this time. So in high school, even though I was in, I was at a Christian school, you know, people, what had happened is people say, hey, you've lost weight. Man, you look really good. Okay. So that, that one phrase is what spiraled me. Like as I took it to a whole nother, like, okay, if I lose 10 pounds. 20 pounds, I'll look even better. 30 pounds, I'm going to look even better. Um, it's, it's funny how, how small the trigger can be. Eating disorders are such a huge problem. Yeah. Um, yes, amongst women, it's amongst men too. Um, but it's, it's almost scary how quickly it can escalate with, you know, the use of one sentence from one person that you, you know, if it's a, especially if it's a guy, you know, and you're in high school and you think that guy's cute and he tells you you look great, like, oh my gosh, okay, well, shoot, I might as well lose 20 pounds. I'll look even better, whatever. So that spiraled for me. Um, uh, it wasn't, it, I wasn't, wasn't not eating because I was, I was involved in two sports at all times, but I, I think I had lost 35 pounds when I was only supposed to lose 10 and at okay. five, seven, I think I was, I don't know. I was sitting at like 115, 110. And that was really Get for me. out of here. Wow. Um, I had developed a gastric bleeding ulcer because I, my stomach started eating itself because I wow. wasn't putting enough nutrients in my body, which That's then right. caused me to start vomiting stomach acid, like bile, like just, it, it spiraled from there. Um, and the turning point of what, where I decided that this really wasn't worth it is, um, I was in the middle of a basketball, I was thinking of a basketball game. I couldn't even make a layup and I was a starting shooting guard, like, you know, on varsity. And I couldn't, I couldn't even make a layup. And I started yelling at my coach who was like my, you know, mentor in high school. And you going from a personality of, you know, I was, I was like, I loved everybody. I was a team player to snapping at teachers, to snapping at my coach, to physically literally not being able to make a layup. I remember being like, if I can't even make a layup right now, there's, how am I going to perform a two-hour show come this summer? I'm supposed to go to Thailand. Like, you know, it circled back to my dream of being a singer. It's like, gosh, if I can't last a game, there's no right. way. Um, right. I didn't go to, you know, a recovery center. I was very much that mindset of, like, no one's going to tell me to beat this if I don't want to kind of mentality. It's like, if I'm going to beat it, I'm going to do it myself. Um, and it was, it was a struggle for many years to, to gain the weight back. Um, because every pound gained back was a mental struggle of like, this is healthy, Kate, you're cool. Um, this is good for you, you know? Um, but you know, I'm, I think in mid college, I, you know, became a healthy weight again. And I, it was through a lot of prayer, a lot of support from, uh, friends that I was like, you know what, I, this is the the beautiful body God gave me to do you know, 
sports and music and whatever he required of me. And uh, I just need to be grateful for it. So, yeah, I don't know how he, where, where that was supposed to circle back to, but there's the story of, I, I don't know, but you, I don't know, but you, you, wherever you centered up from, you, you broke my heart, you know, that, that, no. that broke my heart, you know, the, to hear that entire story was incredible. And thank you for sharing that with us. You know, sure. if I can please intrude in that situation there, is there any advice you'd give to a younger person who is going through that situation? Um, absolutely. And I, I have advice for people, for girls and boys uh, of all ages who are going through that, but also the friends of those people who are going through it. Um, know that, I mean, you are, you are a precious gift. The body that you've been given is exactly what it's meant to be. Um, there is nothing wrong with trying to be healthy. I think everybody needs to learn um, what the term healthy means for their body because every body is built differently. Um, and I think the biggest instrument for me, honestly, in healing was letting my friends know that I had a problem um, and asking them to stay away from what I had called triggers at that point. For me, the word healthy, Steve, I can't tell you, was like the biggest trigger for me because healthy for me meant I'm fat. Wow. So if someone said, you look healthy, oh, my gosh, Kate, you look healthy. To me, that's like, oh, my gosh, I just gained, I gained way too much weight. They can tell. They can tell. So, you know, if you, I knew that was a trigger word for me. Healthy um, was a trigger I, word for you. Healthy was a trigger word because it meant you had gained weight. I, I wow. had associated that word, which was meant to be a compliment as, as a negative. Um, so it takes a lot of uh, self-reflection and knowing, like once you, once you have decided, like you want to get better, you, the biggest, the biggest obstacle is your own mind um, is being honest with those around you of like, Hey, this does not help me. I know you're meaning it to help me, but it, it takes me down a dark path. Or for me, I, like I didn't want, anybody to talk to me about you need to finish your food like if I if they saw me eating I'm like just let, the fact that I'm eating alone that I'm actually eating is a bonus for me don't tell me I need to finish my plate like recognizing uh what works for you and what doesn't and be honest of, about that with your circle of, of trusted friends and family because you can't beat it by yourself if you go to a facility amazing if that works for you you know find a therapist or find an eating disorder clinic that can help you heal. Um, but the biggest thing is mentally, like the physical comes second. You got to heal your mind first. Um, wow. Yeah. Talk. Well, communication, talking that, about it. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great lesson for everybody listening right now. We have, we have a lot of people listening right now, but that, that is, that is, uh, that, that hits close to my heart and, and, and it, it actually breaks my heart to hear you talk about these things mm -hmm. because, uh, not 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 everybody's going to be as forthright as you are and be as honest sure. as you are about the experiences you've been through and mm -hmm. um it, it actually you know i you know it may sound stupid but it, that actually broke my heart it made my heart into the coal <laughs> right now like i don't even know how to talk <laughs> like i'll be honest with you it made my heart into coal or it's like like i don't even know what to say anymore but I, I just, I just hope the best for you. And, and, and 
you're, you're awesome and uh, you're great. Oh, thank you. And everything I, you know, everything I saw from you, everything I met from you was nothing of strength and of sincerity and of honesty and of great gratitude. So, mm. you know, so I, I, I just hope that just continues on. So, you know, let, you let's so go much. on. Let's go on to your career here. So, you know, how how in the world did you go on from Arizona to Minnesota to to wanting to be a, a stunt actress to an actress? Because I do believe that you you, you kind of tried to combine both of them together, didn't you? Did you not? Uh, acting and stunts. Yes. Um, you know, I I grew up in musical theater, so uh, the acting world is not a stranger to me. Um, when I got into stunts, I, my goal was not to be an actress. I really loved the stunt community. I loved being the athletes of the film industry. Uh, that was really appealing to me because I'd been an athlete my whole life, and I really did miss uh, that sense of team, that sense of camaraderie and success as a whole that, you know, you're, it's not just you who's going to make that scene amazing. It's you plus X, Y, and Z, all these other people. Um, so acting with stunts came just kind, kind of by chance. I, I had a bunch of friends who were doing, you know, short films or like little independent projects, and they heard through the grapevine that I had done some acting. And, of course, I will jump at the opportunity to do it. I love it. Um, and now we have the know, same friends. You, you and you and Eric, you know Eric, right? You know, so you and I are, are friends who Eric, right? Eric, last name? Sorry. Oh, geez, I I, I know his last name real fast. I've been trying through Instagram to find his last name really fast. Jacobus Sweeney? Huh? Eric Jacobus? No, oh my God! I'm gonna, I'm, it's gonna, it's gonna drive, it's, it's gonna drive me nuts. But you know, the other day he he he, he, he said my best friend, and then uh, I gave you a call, and I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of ironic, but uh, I'll, I'll find it. Don't worry about it. But please continue. Sure. Um, yeah. So it was it was really just through smaller opportunities that I got to flex uh, that acting muscle, which you know I, I love to do. Um, and then it, you know, I landed some acting roles on that where they, they wanted the stunt person to also deliver dialogue, um, which I love that the industry is leaving room for because there are so many stunt performers who have this capability. Um, and, you know, we're, we're getting the opportunity to do both. And uh, so, you know, I, I went to audition, like mostly they were only auditioning stunt people to see if they could deliver dialogue. I've also, I've had the opportunity to go in just as an actress and then they find out I do stunts. So then they try and like create a scenario where that can be utilized. Um, I wouldn't say I'm pursuing acting though. I think that that has just been a byproduct of being able to do so as a stunt performer. I see, I see your stunt work is like totally surpassed. Your, your, your acting persona. For sure. For sure. Because I mean, I'm that, that's the career that, that I'm pursuing. Um, and the I friend we're speaking of, you, you were the pink ranger outfit 
in their production. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for, with that in the sun? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to do, uh, I got to be the, the ranger in the suit. Yes, I was in the pink suit yes. and in the yellow suit. Yes. Yeah, yeah they were very happy. You know, it's funny. You know, it's <laughs> funny is, is as we're talking, my my Apple Watch is telling me that my heartbeat is reaching above 150 beats per second. So, <laughs> so it's very interesting that this conversation is bothering me to a to to a certain extent. You know, it, it bothers <laughs> me to hear you going through so much pain, and it bothers me to mm-hmm. hear you you go through so much trauma. So if, if, if that bothers you, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But no, yeah, that, no that it's does, okay. I mean, we, yeah, we all got it. We it's 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 really shaped, and that's why I I think I am the way I am. The strength that I've had to build through that. Everybody builds strength through trial and tribulation. Absolutely. Um, hmm You know, if I you're only a strong. That, I mean, who knows how it'd be. <laughs> Yeah, you're only a stronger person because of it. And, and when I met you, you absolutely. were you were absolutely a great human being, um, you know, who's working extremely hard for what they were doing. And I have zero doubt that that you'll do nothing but the greatest things in your future. But so you you were so, so the first things you were working on, you know, you were working on very short films like like Slug Street, like Slug Street <laughs> Scrappers or what have you. <laughs> I can't oh, even wow, say it yeah. straight. <laughs> but uh, I know, throwback. I was looking at the thing for so long. I was trying to find it in every which way I can to watch it, but I couldn't watch it anywhere. So uh, what was what was that project like starting off with? Sure. Um, well, my experience starting in the stunt business, I, you know, coming from – a quick prelude here of how I yes. really got into it is I was perf- I, I was out here performing for the NBA All-Stars event as a singer. Um, I was doing the halftime show for uh, one of the events during that All-Star weekend when it was hosted here in LA. So for that show, I had I flew out, um, I don't know if I flew them out or drove them out, but my, my dancers were from Arizona and I needed okay. people, my manager was like, we need people who can do flips and tricks and fun things in the air. And I was like, uh, I'm new to LA. I had no idea who does that. Um, and a friend of mine took me to White Lotus at the time, which is a martial arts gym. And yep. I was like, here, here's this person, this person, this person. They can um, execute the moves. And I was like, what do you guys do for a living? Like, you just flip around for fun or what? And like, oh, we just you went, like, you went to White Lotus. Heck? That's a great school. Yes. I was like, what the heck is stunt? Like, I didn't, I had no idea that this was a career. Um, yeah. And and long story short, the music industry in LA for me personally, and especially morally, it was really hard for me to be around. Uh, just a lot of the people I was getting involved with, or I don't want to be surrounded by that energy, the the drugs, the drinking, the smoking, the whatever. I was like, this is not who I am. Um, so right. when I found a community of some people um, where, you know, they were like, we'll help you. And if you have nothing to give back, that's okay. Like it was, that was such a foreign feeling to me. So the music hmm. industry is like, mm, we'll help you if you do this, 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 and this. And then maybe, you know, it was, it was such a selfish industry. And to walk into the stunt community where I knew nothing about it, I knew nothing about stunts. I didn't know a single person. And for them to just embrace me because they saw my desire to learn, um, my desire to be coached, uh, to absorb everything. I fell in love with it so quickly. Um, 
that that I was like, this is, I just ran through that offer, ran to that opportunity and through that door. Um, and I, and this is me sitting here. Like I never thought I was going to be anything other than a singer. It was singer or bust. And then I right. truly like when God opened that door and he's like, here's a new passion. Enjoy you, you right. know, be a light in this place. Um, I felt so lucky to have a chance at another still in entertainment, but a really cool niche of the entertainment business. Right. Um, anyways, that's how I got into stunts in general. So, so, what, so faith, faith, yeah. faith plays a big role in, in, in the life that you live. Every it's everything. It's everything for me. Hmm. And you can, anybody hmm. who knows me knows that for sure. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And I have no, yeah. Like I, I have no problem. Like people ask me questions all the time. Like, you know, thoughts on this, thoughts on that. Uh, why is it so important to you? What has it done with your life? And I, I am an open book. I have no problem sharing my faith. I'm also not that person who's going to judge you for believing something else because that's not, I hope not. it's like, Hey, if yeah. not at all, like I'm not here to beat the word of God over your head, but I will share right. it with you. If you, if you ask me and really want to know, like, no, but um, I, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy to hear your version. I'm happy to hear where you're coming from. I'm happy to hear mm-hmm. your point of view without hiding behind some baloney, you know, which I hear a lot of people do, you know, they, they believe in whatever they believe in, but they're, they're really hiding behind something and they're talking, but they don't want to really make it, so because they don't want to make it prevalent in their career. And I understand mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but, but to hear somebody successful as yourself, make it so relevant in their existence. I, I, I want to, I, I, re- I, I really want to hear about it because it, it's, it's mm-hmm. important for me to hear about what makes you, you, what makes you successful okay. and what makes you happy. I want to know those yeah. things. So well, you worked I will on, tell you, you Steve. <laughs> obviously, you will. I'm pretty <laughs> obvious that you will. <laughs> so, so we 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 spent literally about an hour of our time talking about this stuff so far. So let's let's talk a little bit about your career. So you worked on Jane the Virgin. Uh, how was oh, how yes. was so how was that show like? what okay that was probably the first show i was on that i was a huge fan of prior to um yeah. to being on it so getting that call um i was like a little kid i was like oh my god i get to be on jane the virgin like very very excited <laughs> um i was one of a few double like a few doubles uh lauren shaw and i doubled the same girl and i think lauren was might have been her first double on the show um, for uh, the character Petra and Inezka, since they were both, they played twin sisters in the show. Um, and I had the beautiful opportunity. I do believe Lauren was out of town and she threw my name mm. in the pot saying, hey, this is, Kate would be a great option. And and Lauren and I hadn't met at this time. We, we finally got to work on the same episode wow. together of Jane the Virgin. And she told me the story because I didn't, I had no idea how I got the job. I'd never worked for uh, the coordinator before. Yeah. And we know our industry is very much about is word of mouth and people vouching right. for you, you know, saying I've people throwing your name in. Um, so she goes, Hey, so did you end up getting to do this episode? I was like, I did. How did you know? She goes, I threw your name in. I was like, we've never met. And she goes, listen, we've had enough uh, mutual friends who 
uh, vouched for me that she's like, I felt so comfortable saying your name. And it, it, I've had that opportunity on other shows too, where, um, you know, I'm not the original double Westworld being one of those shows. Whitney right. Coleman is, uh, you know, Evan Rachel Wood's double for Westworld. Um, right. But having Whitney be unavailable or, you know, she's, she's off doing another show or whatever it was, um, which lent me the opportunity to get on that show as well. Um, it was it, it was a really amazing opportunity. Um, but Jane the Virgin was so cool. Uh, that that show was so popular and so fun to watch. I loved being on it. What a great experience. Um, That's a great a show. Episodes. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> show. And, you know, I have to ask you about my favorite show that I, that I've, I've binge watched like a cra- like a cra- like a crazy person, which is Grace and yeah. Frankie, and, and I and I know the episode <laughs> that you did your stunt in. <laughs> I know that's how oh, crazy man. I am. That I know I know the stunt you did in and the episode you did in. That's how crazy I am about that episode. <laughs> please, please, and I. By the way, I I also um um interviewed the woman who does all the argent clothing for all the women for uh for grace and frankie so like i I have yeah i have so many people connected to that show but i you know i loved what you did please please give me just a little insight on what what you did on that set yes on grace and grace and frankie is a a great a great show i mean i'm sorry to say for everybody who's missed it, but the six seasons of Grace and Frankie are amazing. Binge watch it wherever you can. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. What a bucket list uh, thing this was, you know, right. Jane Fonda. I was just right. Like, what I'm, I get to know right. who I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Right. Let me call my mom. Call my mom. I was like, mom, <laughs> you know, uh, cause this is an actress that she knows of. Like a lot of the right. double, my mom is oblivious too. So right. I call my mom like, mom, you'll never guess. And I was like, I get to double Jane Fonda on her, her newest show at the time, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. And my mom yeah. just, she's like, well, sweetheart, um, how do you, how do you double? Isn't she older? I mean, she is a lot older. How do you double <laughs> that age? My poor mom. Um, I was like, well, mom, I'm like, they're not going to see my face. Uh, and it's going to be a wig. You know, I had to like really describe to her how this all works out. Right. Um, but no, that, that episode, it was, I got to just, it was again, like an Ace Hardware like store. I don't remember the name of the actual store. We were on location. And now, now were you in the part where you, you cra- where you crashed into the, the police car? Um, yeah. So they they had crashed into the police car, crashed into things in store. I get to just have fun and ride around on a little electric shopping cart. That's the part where she's escaping, escaping her like yeah. you know future brother-in-law from. Yeah. Listen, everybody. Just in case you guys don't know, right here. So this part of the film, this part of the episode, she's escaping her brother-in-law in a hardware store where she's trying to fix her, her, the hatchet in, in, in her window, windowsill. And she insists on going to the hardware store. She does not want to sit in one of the, the seats that, that will, you know, take you to the 135 
places where you can find these uh, these these things and what have you. But she she insists on going on one. She goes on one, and she's drinking. She's taking her uh, she's taking her painkillers and what have you. She sees her future brother-in-law flips out, goes outside, and crashes into a cop car. In an electric shopping cart. Yes. In an electric Fantastic. shopping cart. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so it's so amazing to watch. And he drives her home. And then she she forgets something back, by the way, and they have to go pick it up. But yes. Um that yeah, so that what it was not a strenuous episode to work on. Um, Taylor Estevez was coordinating uh, the show, so he and I had some fun. You know, we were just chilling in a hardware store uh, and got to ride around on that shopping cart. It was it was a fun day. <laughs> like it really wasn't anything crazy. It was more of just the oh my gosh, I just a double Jane Fonda. I think every stunt person has that person. Like when they get to double right. somebody, like it's right. really iconic to them. Um, so. Miss Fonda was definitely one of those for me. <laughs> did you did you get to meet her, Jane Fonda? I did. I got to, you know, meet her prior to the scene, just like introductions, basic introductions. Um, but I believe she had actually, what a trooper she is. I think she had a broken toe. She had just recently broken her toe. Wow. Um, I think the day before that episode. So, you know, she was not you know, up and walking around and, and discussing and talking with everybody. Um, like once she was done her, with her scene, she would go and, you know, put her foot up because she still had to do her job, but she had a broken toe. Right. I don't, I don't remember, you know, the details <laughs> of that, but yeah, it was, she was a trooper. <laughs> I, I have one of her, um, one of her renegade uh, coffee cups where, where it's one of her, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, one of her p- police uh, police uh, shots of her in, in a coffee cup. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have one of those. Um, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of hers. You know, she's a, she's a great human being. I, Lily Tomlin also. I, I grew up with Lily Tomlin my entire life, and she's she's a huge huge inspiration in comedy. And uh, so both mm-hmm. of them are pretty incredible. So you moved on from that, and you went you went to American Horror Story, which you know, a lot of the a lot of the actors that I that I've talked to the past couple of months have worked on this show, which is amazing to me. So, you know, what's yeah. it like working on a show like that with some of literally some of the greatest female actresses on the planet Earth? One hundred percent. Fun story about okay, American Horror Story. Um, I knew somebody who very. I think it was. Asylum, the Asylum season. You know, honestly, yeah. I don't watch the sh- I don't watch the show. I don't watch my okay. story. And um, but I know it was Asylum season, so it was one of the first few. And I knew somebody who yeah. worked as a PA on the show. And this is when I was first just like getting into stunts, like saying like I really want to do this. I think it's an amazing career. And he um, came home from work uh, on the show that day and gave me a shirt, and I was just like what is like what random and it said American Horror, <laughs> American Horror Story stunt department it had a stunt right. department t-shirt and he gave this to me and he was just like I knew the coordinator I told him uh you know that I do somebody who really wants to do stunts and he gifted that shirt to give to me so I was like oh this is so cool I hadn't worked on anything major yet so I was like 
this is the coolest present ever. Thank you so much. And then, you know, cut to a few years later, I get the call to work on American Horror Story. And for me, it was just like a full circle thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first like, like piece of clothing or, or rep, like show rep thing that I got to have. And now I'm actually working on the show. Uh, it was just a really cool feeling to, to finally get to be a part of such an iconic um, show that was so right. however many seasons later um it was fun i mean i got to do i don't know how many remember how many episodes um i got to do it was maybe two or three uh but you know i got to fly around on some wires and then i got to get my neck and arms ripped open by flesh eating they're not zombies. I don't know. I don't remember what they call them. They're flesh-eating, flesh-eating beings. <laughs> you worked on three episodes, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, what a fun um, – another double on the same day, Heather Bonomo. She and I got to double uh, the same character on one really? episode. And, yeah, Um so oh, it's one of my favorite pictures that she has, she and I have reposted several times. It's like, I'm covered in blood, right? Like they had just, I just got eaten alive. So I've got blood all over me. She's holding, <laughs> again, since I love coffee so much, she's holding my coffee cup and for me so I can take a sip of my iced coffee before I have to go back to, uh, to finish the scene. She, man, I love Heather so much. Um, right. Shout out to Heather. If you Heather's great. Heather's great. Her yeah. yeah. I adore her. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, so that was my experience on American Horror Story. <laughs> wow. So, cool. so you really do not drink alcohol at all. It's it's coffee for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Fun fact about Kate, um, never been buzzed, never been drunk. No, I don't drink uh, at all. So really? Most people know. Really? Most, most, most of my friends know that about me now, but of course. Knows, you don't know me. There's no, I, I would I would expect from your I would expect from your background that that would be the clue. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't think drinking is bad. It's just not my. I think growing like. It's not your cup of tea. Drink. I didn't grow. I didn't grow up around it. Yeah, like not my thing. Just never got into it. So. Yeah. It's fine. My I, sister loves wine and beer. She is a connoisseur. <laughs> so I I live vicariously through her. <laughs> Well, you worked on another great show, which was The Runaways, which was which is a fantastic show. I, I really adore that show a great deal, and, that, and that's really in the Marvel aspect, and more the 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 uh, the supernatural aspect. And you do do a lot of shows that are in the, new, the supernatural aspect. Which what, what was about Runaways that you liked? Runaways, um, gosh, what a cool a cool show. So that was my my one and only Marvel thing that I've ever done. So that was yeah. a big deal for me. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, everybody wants to work for Marvel. Um, and so that was when I got that call, uh, that was a really cool moment for me. Cause I was just like, this is, this is it. I'm on Marvel. Like, uh, this is really cool. Um, but also not only was it my first uh, Marvel experience, uh, it was the first ratchet that I had ever had to do. So, right. um, so I knew I was like, well, this everybody talks about having ratchets. I've never done one before. Uh, here we go. You know, this is what right. this is stunts. Like in my mind, I'm like things like you know stunt driving and getting ratchet and getting set on fire, falling off buildings. I'm like these, these are stunts. Like 
Uh, so I was very excited <laughs> to have the opportunity. Um, that was a really big day. I think we did six ratchets simultaneously, and then they right. had six hand pulls. There were 12, 12 doubles getting um, all blasted back. And uh, what a team, uh, what a day to coordinate, like to, to be the coordinator of that whole situation. Um, that's a lot, you know, at one time. So my hat right. off to the coordinator for, and the, and the rigors for that day, because that was a tremendous thing to pull off and everybody was safe. So two thumbs way up. Yeah. It's a great show. I, re- I really like this show a great deal. I, you know, I'm sorry to see that show go off the air, but I really, mm-hmm. I really like that show, but you know, uh, before we get to Westworld, cause we're going to get there sooner or later, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about feature man, because I, I really, <laughs> I'm a sucker for that show. You know, I re- I was really waiting yeah. for that show to come out, and I'm really fan of the the, the artists as well, and fan of the writers as well. So, <laughs> so what was it like working on Future Man? I mean, I know this is gonna sound so stupid to like my audience right now, but they're not even know what I'm talking about. But Future Man was a really great show. Uh, it, it came out for a little bit. It, it was it was really strange, really eclectic, but really a fun show. Uh, what was it like working on that show? So for Future Man, um, I was on the previous team. So I was not a performer on the actual episode. We were I was just part of the team that was building the oh, team um, really? for the performers. I know. So the original Natalie Padilla, who is another, another incredible stunt woman, yes. was um, – booked as a character because you're going to see her face as the stunt performer on this episode. She was unavailable. Isn't she? Oh gosh. Our whole community. I can't. Yeah. So she um, was originally booked and she was unavailable to to be there for the previs, to shoot the previs, which we would then show directors, producers to get the stamp of approval. So I got a call from Corey DeMyers who was uh, running that unit. uh, And he was like, Hey, can you fill in? Which I was like, Absolutely, because I love Corey so much. And um, Haley Wright was also there. Uh, she was doubling, I think. The, oh, the Haley. Scene. Yes, Haley. Haley Wright. Let's give um, a shout out to Haley Wright here. Got, yeah. Boys and girls, <laughs> Haley Wright is the girl we're try- we've been trying to get here for a long time. She is oh, the girl. We love her so give much. Give her the clap track. Give her the clap track. Hey, hold on, hold on. Let's, get, let's <laughs> give her the clap track here. Hold on a second. Haley. Give the clap track. Haley. Haley. And Haley Wright. Haley Wright. <laughs> we love her. She's on Australia right now. Come and yeah. see us, please. Oh man. So I just it was it was fun because that was a that was a team of friends um, that I got to go in and help, you know, execute what Corey had developed and uh, sure. Natalie actually uh, performed on the day. I can't take credit for that, <laughs> really. You know, let's let's take a, let's take a small break for just two seconds, okay? Let's take a, let's take a small second. Let's, let's, let's think about what's going on here. Do 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 do. Usually these things come out wrong, but you've been up in my head all day long, and now I'm all gone. Yeah. Didn't know we end up this way Keeping memories on replay 
I love that song. Let's bring back Caitlin. Oh, he's here. Oh, hello. Oh, here we go. So what's going here on he here? <laughs> uh, this is my friend Felice, everybody. Um, an incredible friend slash actress slash beautiful soul. So. Oh, hi. I'm, this is awesome to be uh, just calling in. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, girl, for coming <laughs> calling in. And is there anything you can say about Caitlin that can that can enlighten us about her oh. soul and who she is as a person? Yeah, I mean, I could go on for hours, like about Caitlin. She's amazing. Well, you got fifteen minutes. Okay, fifteen minutes, <laughs> great. Um, so I just love Caitlin. We play volleyball together in Manhattan Beach, uh, yeah. Los Angeles, uh, or not Los Angeles, but California. And uh, I just love how. I mean, I just love that I get to talk to her about thing about the other side of the of filming that I don't see, and because I'm an actress, and so we always just chat about like experiences and stuff. But I actually don't know. It's really cool to listen to this podcast because, or I don't know if it's a podcast, but um, it's really cool to listen to this interview because 
I haven't heard of any of these stories of Caitlin, so it's it's really exciting. Mm. What do you think? What do you think it is about her that makes her pop? Because there's obviously something about her, which I can tell. Yeah, you know, there's something about her that that there's something something about her that makes people want to be around her. What? what yeah, what is that? definitely. She's very. Uh, she's a very positive woman. She's very strong. Uh, she has a very strong core. You can sense that from the beginning. Um, yeah. And she also has. I I find this very beautiful. Um, she has a strong relationship with God, and she is nice. uh, like she she she's she's always um, included me or invited me to women's circles to talk about you know like uh, Bible studies and things like that. Where I just feel like that community always is, is always so good for somebody to you know have a strong core. Um, right. and, and she's very, she has, she's very humble. Um, it, it's a, every, everybody's the same in, in the way that she would talk to anybody the same way. You know, there's no status in, in who she talks to. I, I see that when I, when I talk to her. Um, so right. yeah, I love that about her. Very positive. And, and, and we're both athletes. We're both, I mean, she's just mm-hmm. insanely, an, an insane athlete. I'm just a regular athlete, <laughs> but it sounds stupid to ask, but do you think her personality is likable? Oh yeah. I mean, as you can see, she's been on a, she's worked a bunch in the industry that there, there's a, a reason for that. No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not talking about the industry. I'm talking about human beings. Like, do you, do you think her personality is likable? Do you think that's the reason why she, makes friends and she, she catches friends and she has people around her. Do you think she's likable? Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of the things that we talk about in Hollywood where it's like, you know, if you want to work in Hollywood for a long time, you have to be a certain, certain quality of thing, but likable is like a very important thing about a person. Oh yeah. But I, you know, when you talk about God, I would say, Ethics and morality and and, and, and a comprehension of, of self definitely include into those things. What do you think? I agree. Yeah, I, I think it all ties in together, and whatever uh, it, it whatever form and whatever you know, the fact that it's about love and compassion and um, humility. I think that is the core of of what makes a person just really beautiful. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great to bring you guys together. What you, what, what drew you guys together? Volleyball. 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 <laughs> Volleyball. Yeah. Volleyball. Yes. Yeah. Man, we can't wait to get to the beach to play some volleyball. Once I know. I we're both going crazy. I think they cut the nets down. We we just I've been staring at the yeah. ocean like at the at the cold. <laughs> For the past month, like waiting for the nest to come back. Now, now, what is your what is your name? My name's Celeste. 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 You know, Celeste. You know, she she, remi- she uh, When I met her, she's like she's quite a powerful human being. Like, what does it feel like when she's like striking a ball down at your face? Uh, we're usually playing together. We usually play okay. on the same team. What does it feel like when she's striking a ball at an opponent's team at her face? Does it feel happy? <laughs> um, maybe exciting. It definitely feels like fun. Um, 
we have a lot of fun together when yeah, we, we play. Um, we, yeah, and, and actually this summer I was really excited about, you know, what this, what this summer is going to bring in terms of playing more. And, and uh, I know we were going to probably get out there a good amount of times. Yeah. Um, so, but it's fun. It's fun to play with Caitlin. Yeah. Nice. She's, she's a she's a hustler. And, and you guys, you, we, we you guys, you guys do Bible study together. Um, I haven't actually done it with Caitlin. Um, she, Caitlin yeah. has a community a group, I think, right, Caitlin, that you. Um, yeah, it's a, you, a a community of beat. It's actually um, all pro beach volleyball girls, um, members of the ABC, nice. and. Uh, I was so graciously invited um, by the, uh, her, her name Heather um, because my fiance is a beach volleyball coach. And so through that nice. network of beach volleyball community, he goes, Hey, there's a group of girls in the Manhattan beach area. They're all volleyball players. So that's like, there's your connection in the sense of like what we have in common. Um, right. You want me to see if they'd be cool with you coming through. And I was like, I would love it. Just, it's just a community of women in general. Um, right. I think, especially in Los Angeles, is very hard to come by uh, that has a genuine spirit um, that just wants to love on you. Like, um, even right. if it's not faith-based, um, like that sure. kind of thing, but having a strong group of women who just want to make you feel amazing, um, right. you know, and just and encourage each other because this city can be very hard to live in. Um, so I, it was an incredible opportunity for me to not only uh, relate on a volleyball level, but also on a faith-based level. Um, so I, Felice lives in that area. And so I was just like, Hey, you know, like if you ever want to join, um, let me know because you know <laughs> that's what we want to do. We just want to make people smile and make their day better. Like, <laughs> that sounds so yeah. wonderful. Wow. What a great group together. And, and thank you so much for listening. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to put you on pause right now, Celeste, and, and let you listen in on the show, but thank you yeah, so much awesome. for calling in and, and letting yeah. us know what's going on here. Uh, okay, that's Felice. We're going to give her the clap track. Awesome. Thanks, Felice. Thank clap you. Track for Hi, Felice. <laughs> clap track for Caitlin. Clap track for Felice. Right there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if, if I may speak for myself for just a second here, you know, sure. you know, I, I, I've been teaching martial arts for over 30 years. And I, I remember... Uh, a woman who was used to be a stripper and she was talking outside of my dojo and she had two children in, in her truck and she was crying. And I went mm-hmm. and talked to her and I'm like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? She was my, you know, my two kids were watching porn on her, uh, on my phone and I feel so horrible. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, this is payment for who I used to be. She used to be a stripper uh, mm-hmm. she, she got her husband that way and she became a Christian and, uh, and mm. their family is Christian. And I, I was caught off guard and I said, you know, let me, let me ask you a question. I go, if Christ were standing right there, do you think Christ would be saying like, this is your fault? She goes, well, I don't know. And I go, mm-hmm. do you think, do you think Jesus would be thinking that, this is your fault. This is your problem that like after all you've done, after all you sacrificed, after all, after having all these, I mean, she had like six children by then. After having six children, yeah. living a, a good life, being a good person, that Christ would be standing right there judging you and wishing you bad. 
she goes, well, no. And I go, then, then listen to yourself. Then, yeah. then listen to yourself. Then back off and listen to yourself. Because that's not the way Jesus works. That's not the way God works. Absolutely. And, and she thanked me for that. And she walked away. And then an atheist walked up to me. This is not a joke. Is this a real and story? This sounds like this is, oh my God. I swear to That's God, crazy. this is a real story. I swear to God, this is a real story. It's outside my dojo. And my heart meter is telling me I'm at 150 again. And, 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 and an atheist walked right up to me. And she's like, I was offended. I go, excuse me? She goes, I was offended by what you just told that woman right there. She goes, you know, you should not talk about crying. She should not be talking about God. You shouldn't be talking about these things inside your dojo. I go, first of all, this is outside my dojo. Second of all, mm-hmm. go screw off. I'm a Buddhist. Yeah. I, I myself, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. I'm agnostic, uh-huh. but I'm a Buddhist. So go screw uh-huh. off. You know what I'm saying? And here's my point. Right. My thing is that I'm supposed, I am I'm a, as a grandmaster, I'm supposed to be all things for all people. And she believes in Jesus. And I believe in what she believes in at that moment. And I, I follow her and I trust her. And I'm going to do everything she can to become the best person she can be and to follow the path that she needs to follow. And, and I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back down from that. You know, even, even, yeah. even if I don't believe in the same things she believes in, I'm going, right. to, suppo- I'm going to support her. Does that make sense to you? No, for sure. It's uh, it was an uncon, you know, an unconditional love in the sense of yes. like you you recognized um, her belief system, what she needed to hear, and I think even you believe in something greater than self, which right. so many people do, and so many people are on a search to really figure out what that is um, for them. You know why I love this story? That story is because. You know, so many people beat themselves up over past experiences or past, quote, mistakes um, right. that they have made um, and then do a blame game on themselves. And that shame and that guilt will right. consume you. Um, and for her, I mean, of course, what what mother wouldn't be concerned about, like, did my actions right. cause my children right. to go down this path? Um, exactly. And we are not to say you know, their first experience in, you know, witnessing something like porn um, was her fault. It's, 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 right. it's by no means fault. How many, that is so accessible these days. It's insane. It's um, their children. They're finding a phone. They're finding anything they can. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with your past experiences. And, and it, like I told her, if, if Christ were standing right there, there's no way Christ would be like laughing at you. Going like, ha ha, no. this is what you deserve. Like, like if you mm-hmm. really believe in Christ, if you really believe in God, then you really believe that that's untrue. That's not the yeah. truth. Yeah. God just wanted to wrap his arms around them. That's what he was doing, you know, and, yeah. and, and her, and her tears and her awareness of that might've been, might've been a come to like quote, come to Jesus moment for her. Like, right. you know, this right. is a moment where she needs to forgive herself. And then, you know, God's already forgiven her for that. But to right. forgive yourself is, is sometimes even harder because we do right. have that human nature and that human component where, of shame and guilt that is extremely hard to shake. And we can't do it by ourselves. It has to be the grace of God that, that really eliminates that from your life. Um, right. And, you know, so 
what a, what an interesting story that you had the two extremes. You had an atheist and an a, atheist. a Christ follower in she, the same yeah, moment. She, she was from NASA, and she was so pissed off mm. at me. And I had to explain mm-hmm. to her, I'm like, first of all, I'm not inside my business. That's number one. Number two is go F yourself because I'm trying to make her feel better mm-hmm. because in actuality, I'm a Buddhist. So I actually don't mm-hmm. believe in the same thing she believes in. I'm making her feel better about what she believes in. Isn't that mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do as human beings, as people who love each other, as people who care about each other? Are we supposed to make each other feel better about what we believe in, regardless of what we believe of in. Of course. I, I, it, of it didn't course. Make any, and you know, I you know think what I mean? What happened and like how I'm, how I'm absorbing this and seeing it is Satan wants to disrupt anything that points somebody to Christ. And in right. that moment, um, she was being reminded that Christ loves her, that your right. mistakes have been forgiven. So, Satan used that opportunity and whatever vessel he had in the, literally in physical form was that person to come and try and disrupt um, that moment. And, right. you know, that Satan throws whatever he's got at, at anything that emanates love or, or re- represents love, because that's obviously the opposite of what he wants <laughs> for this world. Right. So I'm not right. surprised that that happened. It's crazy that, you know, it happened so uh, almost like blatantly obvious, like, well, right. You know, there right. was a moment of love um, opposed by a moment of evil. I mean, yeah, it was, it was what an interesting it was really, story. You know, it, it does it does sound like a joke. I'll be honest with you, because it did happen you know, sequentially. But you know, the, the truth, it, you know, the truth for me is that you know, love does go beyond all measures. And if you love Absolutely. somebody, you'll go beyond all measures. And, and I love mm-hmm. my students, and I love my people. And nobody, nobody's going to stop me from loving the people I love and making, making them feel the best that they can feel and guiding them towards the faith that they're at. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to, nobody in the world is going to stop me from that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's continue. Let's continue. Mm-hmm. Thank you for so much for, for talking to me. About I love that. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank oh you God. so much for talking about that. Before we go on, before we go on to the big story, you know, you were in Arrested Development, which is everybody's favorite show on planet planet Earth. Yeah, I mean, planet yeah. Earth. Please yeah. tell me about Arrested Development. Okay, Arrested Development. What a dream. Um, Dorenda Moore, it was the coordinator of that show when I uh, got to be a part of it, and we were doing this huge parade scene. That was, I think it was in Long Beach. They had shut down like an outdoor shopping mall and created this float, quote, float parade that was going through um, the, the streets. So um, I think, the, to be honest, like, again, I, wasn't, I was standing on a float, again, <laughs> one of those jobs where it's like, I'm, I'm getting paid to do what? Like, okay, right. um, let's just, this, it was such a... The people were incredible. The team was incredible. Um, but that was the first time I got to work with uh, Jason Bateman. Uh, and then I got to uh, work on Ozark as well, which yeah. was really cool to see to, to see him in the actor role versus the director Directing world, yeah. role. Yeah. And uh, both, both were incredible experiences. But Arrested Development, I think my favorite memory, because we were 
Greg Fitzpatrick is a stunt performer. And he doubles uh, Ben Stiller on that show and another like right. everything else. But um, Gre- uh, Ben Stiller wasn't there that day, so Greg got to do uh, to be the extravagant character that Ben Stiller is on that show. Um, and we all as a stunt team just had a blast watching Greg execute this scene of just, I mean, so flamboyant and fun and dancing on the float. And like Greg made that whole experience for me. I know the episode. <laughs> yeah. He was the wonder, gosh, what's character? Something wonder. Um, anyways, we got to go into Starbucks that day on our lunch break and yeah. we're all in costume, you know, so he's in this like sequence <laughs> jacket. Yeah, and like I think his mustache was pink or something was not a yeah. normal color. Yeah. Anyways, Greg just—I have a video of this something because they videotaped this in Starbucks. Greg just grabs me. We were literally just sw- essentially swing dancing in the middle of Starbucks in our in our costumes. Um, what a cool memory! But it's like oh, Greg is so cool. Anyways, that was my experience on Arrested Development. It was it was just a fun. It was a long day because <laughs> there's a lot of extras, a lot of background to orchestrate, but. Greg Fitzpatrick and Dorinda Moore. Love you. <laughs> please, please tell me. Please tell me a little bit about Picard because I I know the episode you were on mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I I love it so much. Was it a fun day? Um, you you look fantastic, by the way. I saw the pictures of you. You ah. look fantastic. How was that day? Thank you. Um, that was a long day. Uh, it was actually. Oh, I think it was a little over a week um, where between like shooting previs rehearsals with the actors and then right. shoot day. Um, right. It was long for sure because it was, oh, what a cool set though. I mean, they built, they built out that studio uh, to look like it looked wonderful. Know, the inside of the ship, man. Yeah. The, the gambling the design ship? team was incredible there. Yeah. Oh, so cool. What, um, an experience this was. So I, Janelle Haney and I were uh, the two doubles um, and we got to do, Janelle and I uh, are really great friends. Um, actually, she is how I met Felice because Janelle's boyfriend is a pro beach volleyball player and we all met through that community. So that was fun. That's a connect. Cool, Janelle and Felice. Um, so Janelle and I got to, yeah, got to fight each other uh, and it was just uh, a really cool fight scene. I mean, they, they actually cut it down quite a bit in the editing room, which happens all the time. Um, but our actors uh, were absolutely incredible and um, so resilient because in TV, actors don't get the time that they would as if it was a feature film to learn and to execute um, to the best of their capabilities these fight scenes. So we maybe right. had two rehearsal days, a few hours each where these actors, you know, our actresses are learning everything that they possibly can. Cause you know, we want to use them as much as possible. Um, and I think the coolest part for me working on Picard was, I mean, not only is this in a huge, you know, enterprise yeah. of a show, you know, right. um, so to be a part of that history is a really cool, uh, you know, experience, but right. Through this, I found out my dad was a Trekkie, and I had no idea. So <laughs> this is the best part of me doing this show. I called my dad. I was like, hey, dad, 
cool. I get to work on the show. You know, my dad's oh like, my. ah, Kate, you're probably working on, he doesn't, he's like, you're working on the biggest stuff. Yeah. But the second I bring up Star Trek, I'm like, dad, I get to work on Star Trek. He goes, oh. he goes, don't tell me you're doubling seven of nine. And I was like, oh no, how do you know that? he like, knew. How, how would you know that? How would you know that? Dad? We haven't even <laughs> shot it. And he goes, well, I've only seen every episode, Kate. And I was like, well, really? He goes, I'm a Trekkie. <laughs> I'm 30. I'm in my 30s. I had no idea. My dad liked Star Trek, but now I know. That is awesome. So. That, you know, that would be the most <laughs> awesome gift in the world. You know, we were, we were, we were quickly running out of time. And as much as I love, yeah, that yeah. is the, that is the funnest story right there. I, I've heard in a long time <laughs> because your dad being a tracking, because you did a great job at seven and nine. By the way, did you hold on to the two guns? Was that, was that you hold on to two guns running down the hallway? No. Okay. I'm trying to think. I, I just did the fight scene uh, on the big platform against. Yeah, the I just did the fight scene. The that's, that's all. That's all I did. Yeah. Was the the fight the whole fight scene between the whole the whole gang of like alien thieves? That's it. No, that was not me. So you know, I I know Mouse Guard is gone. I know I know that's been canceled. Oh. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I know. There's a lot of a lot of my friends, you know, are part of that movie, and, and they it's mm-hmm. it's gone. But I'm going to ask you one question before we get to Westworld because I know that's the last yeah. question I want to ask you is uh, is Tenant. Oh yes. Now hold on, hold on. Before really. we get into we before we get into that, you know, yeah. Christopher Nolan is one of the greatest filmmakers known known to human beings. He mm-hmm. makes movies that are that that really resonate in everybody's souls, and you are part of his new film Tenant. So, if there's mm-hmm. anything you can tell us, please tell us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is hmm, what can I legally say? Yeah, I don't. What can you? Le- Obviously, I can't say anything in regards to storyline and that kind of thing. I, what I can, yes. what I can tell you about Tenant, uh, in the three, I was a part of a, the three-week team while we were out in the middle of the desert shooting and like. Indiana. Get out of here. Um, so, but this movie, you know, had been shot for, I mean, half a year, about a year. Yeah. Right now. There were stunt performers who, you know, they got to go to Spain, Estonia, I mean, all over uh, with this with this movie. So I was just brought on for the the team that was a three weeks out in the desert, which was an incredible experience. And all I can I can only speak on um, my personal experience in the sense of what an incredible team we had. You are right. you are literally in 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 the desert in full gear, covered from head to toe, in the heat. You know, in the de- in the middle of the day, it's like scorching hot, but in at nighttime, it's freezing cold. Um, these fun conditions as everyone wants to be in uh we're in the trenches with our about 30 i think it's about 30 35 stunt people and every single one of them uh i i look up to and absolutely adore because it was three weeks of creating beautiful relationships um where sometimes when you have a stunt team that big you know there's people who don't like each other or people who might not get along so well but we literally all of us came together and got to create something that is going to change the film industry from here on out. I'm so excited for everybody. I to have see, no doubt. Um, I have no doubt about that. See it. Um, I yeah. created lifelong friends from that 
that yeah. short three week um, spurt on the movie. So uh, when it comes out, everybody is going to be, you know, jaw to the floor. Uh, how how was he as a director? Um, I, I mean, he didn't personally communicate with us as a team. Our stunt coordinator, yeah. George Cottle, got to do that. Um, Close enough. He, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But they, he was very efficient in the sense that, like, he knows what he wants, right? He's, right. he's that director. That's um, right. And which is why, I mean, his movies, you know, are, are timeless and they, they speak for themselves. But that's right. It was one of those. What was a cool moment for me? It was like I have now had the blessing of working for Chris Nolan and Jonah and Jonathan Nolan. So I've got that's to right. see the two brothers in that role and how they, you know, their differences um, in directing style uh, in and that kind of thing. It was it was a really cool, you know, I got to split screen in my brain, like, oh, this is how he does this, but this is how his brother does this. I don't <laughs> I mean, I don't even know their relationship, but it it was a cool moment for me to be like Right. Fun. How how did you yeah. feel about that? Did you feel like one had a, a better grip on filmmaking than the other? Or did you feel like they're both um, really abstract from each other? No, I mean I, they were both incredible incredibly creative people. Uh, you know, I, I don't work a lot in feature films, so it's hard right. for me to, I do mostly TV. So that was right. Tenet probably the big, it's the biggest feature I've ever been a part of. So yeah. to say whether that was an experience because of Christopher Nolan, or if this is just how feature films are, are done, you know, to say that's the biggest film. I mean, that, 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 when that film comes out, Every single human being on the planet Earth who loves film will go see that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cha- it's going to change the game for sure. Yeah, yeah. and we don't even know what Very it's about. Excited about it. That's the best part. You have no, you don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any and you, clue, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be one of those movies you have to watch three, four times back to back to really catch everything. I have a feeling. Like Inception, <laughs> I don't I don't care. I'll watch it three or four times yeah. and then I'll own the DVD. Yeah. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I honestly don't care. You know, there's been a lot of directors that I've I've really cared about, but you know, when 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 you know, like maybe Josh Whedon, I I'll I buy his film and I'll watch his films a thousand <laughs> times, but yeah. yeah. I love Josh Whedon, but you know, this is one of those directors that that definitely does not drop the ball. He doesn't drop mm-hmm. the ball. And to see you on this film is like, you know, I just want to hear every like lick of information you have about it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an mm-hmm. incredible, uh, you know, skill level to reach when you reach these films. Yeah. It was, I had, again, it was an experience where a lot of people, I'd never worked for George Kyle before. He and I had coursed via email prior to this. Um, and it was one of those, I knew I wanted to work for him because of the caliber of movies, the movies he was on and the caliber of people he surrounded himself with on his team. Um, That was a goal for me. I said, I want to work for somebody um, of that stature. And uh, I had other team, like stunt team members who had been working on the film um, for the duration of it, who uh, threw my name in the pot and were like, Hey, if we need a female, another female or, you know, whatever their conversation was, my name got brought up because um, there were a million people they could have chose, you know, so it was, 
I felt, again, I was overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness. And to this day, it was probably the coolest experience um, when it came to the stunt family that I've ever had right. on a project. Right. Um, not discrediting any of any other thing that I've done, but that sure, was really not. something special. That was really something special. Um, and I will forever be grateful to that, to that team and what I, what I learned, who I met, uh, what I got to witness, uh, you know, uh, on that level of a film. It was incredible. I can't wait to watch you in that film. We have, we have 10 minutes to wa- talk about Westworld. And by the way, I, I loved, you know, I, I hope you like being on the show. I loved having you on the show. You're, you're quite eclectic and, and I wouldn't say all over the place, but really, you know, you, you have a lot of things working. You have a lot of engine parts <laughs> working and I really enjoy that about you. Um, tell, tell me about Westworld. Westworld. Okay. I'm going to put this in a nutshell because Westworld yeah. um, has a really, really special place in my heart in the sense that it's the show that really changed my career. Um, I, was not a part of the union when I first started working for Westworld. I was eligible, um, but I had not joined the union yet. And I started out on that show as a photo double. Um, I didn't even know what a photo double was, but I got a call from Central Casting. Like, hey, you want to do photo doubling for this character on the show? Like, they didn't give me any details. I was like, I thought photo doubling, Steve, was when you go and they take pictures of you. And they're on like a billboard with the actress's head. Like I had no idea what a photo double was. I was like, okay, whatever. Sure. I'll go do that. And they send me and I show up on the set. We're on location. I'm like, you know, Ed Harris walks by. I said, where am I right now? Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Um, But I'm that type of person who's like, I'm not going to turn down a job because every job is an experience and you're going to learn something from it. I'm never too good for a position. That's, uh, you know, even, even now at, at what I've, been lucky enough to experience as a stunt performer, I will never consider myself better than that background person over there because I've right. been there and who's to say, I'm not going to be there again. Like it, right. I, so I, I took this job because I was like, Hey, it's a, it's a new position. It's a new experience. I don't know what to expect from it. Um, went there. There was a stunt team on that day. Uh, I knew the stunt performer, one of the doubles, he introduced me to the stunt coordinator who at the time was Mike Watson on first season. Story short, I, they found out I did, I was pursuing stunts at the time. They took me to, U, to Utah as a photo double on one of their uh, second units where they were getting a bunch of really cool shots out in Utah. Uh, Whitney Coleman was her stunt double. Um, and they needed a second double because they were shooting so many units out there. They needed a second double for this one scene to ride horses now steve nowhere on my resume ever would i have said like i am a horse rider that is incredibly (laughs) an incredibly uh unique and beautiful part of the stunt industry like these people like horses are their world and i respect that so much right um so they asked me they said can you ride a horse i said have let me be clear i was like have i ridden a horse before yes have i ever ridden a horse on camera no, like I don't know what to expect. I had to be very honest in that moment because I know that, especially when dealing with an animal and multiple animals, if everybody's riding a horse, I said, I don't want to falsely advertise my skill set here because this can go very wrong very quickly. So that team was very generous in the sense of, they're like, well, 
we're, and I said, I, I am a fast learner and I, I trust in my capabilities. So they, they put me on the horse. They gave me like a crash course of like, this is what we're going to do. See, this is one of those moments where I prayed massively before this happened because yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get through this if I'm nervous because I know that horses are very in tune uh, with their rider. And I was like, the last thing I want to do is, is create that energy uh, and put that energy on my horse. Because if something went wrong, I wouldn't know how to correct it. I was not that type of a rider. I was not that experienced. Um, right. And so long story short, I was able to execute what was needed in the scene. And I felt that was 100% God. I will never say that it's anything else because he, he put protection over me in that moment. Um, and from then on, I got to, you know, jump in on different episodes as her stunt double on other things. I, I joined the union because I was like, I want to be a part of the show. Um, by no means am I. That made you join the union? Evan, yeah. I, I, yeah, because I was eligible at the time. And so I had okay. to join the union in order to be um, on a stunt, you know, to be a stunt contract. Sure. Uh, to be a stunt performer on this show. Okay. Um, I continued to be her photo double uh, throughout the series. And then certain days, um, if Whitney was unavailable, um, I would be able to come in and do uh, stunts for Evan. Um, and then at the end of first season, I got to do an acting role on their virtual reality. It's not really an episode, but they did like a virtual reality promo video right. where they needed a stunt person and an actress in the same character. Okay. So that was a really cool experience I did for Westworld. Um, so it was cool to see the trajectory of photo double to stunt double to actress, stunt actress on the show. Um, and that kind of like launched uh my career a little bit. That was a big show to be a part of. And I, and I don't want to discredit that in any way. That team on season one was amazing and right. uh, forever, forever grateful for, for them taking a chance on me. Yeah. So flash to you, third season. Here we are. <laughs> what are you looking forward to for third season right now? Third, man, uh, third season is really awesome. Um, there's been a lot of really, I'm a part of episode seven and episode eight, which was last week's episode and this right. coming season finale, this coming Sunday is the season finale. Um, right. So up until, uh, you know, every, all the stunts and everything done in the first part of the season has been Whitney. Um, she does driving. She does like all these things that I don't, you know, so that's not my right. forte and she takes care of that. Um, but I got to do a fight scene um, last episode. I don't want to do any spoilers if people haven't seen it, sure. but there was a very large yeah. fight scene between Dolores and Maeve. And then this yeah. coming finale, um, finally, myself and Whitney got to work on the same episode. So that was really cool because we, for the most part, were always on different units or different episodes or, you know, it was just her. Um, so it was cool for us to work together and, this finale is going to be unreal, and I hope everybody watches it. <laughs> Caitlin, would, would, would it be selfish to, to have you back to talk you talk to be, talk to you more about these episodes and and how this show infected your life? Oh, sure, absolutely. We, absolutely. we would love and that. And when Kenny would... comes out, let's talk about it. 
We would we would <laughs> love to have you back. That. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, I love talking to you. We talked about so many things, uh, and these things I want to talk to you more about. I, I didn't want to bother you with, with some of the, you know, the things that most people would talk to you about, which is, of course, mm-hmm. Westworld and Tenants and what have you. But, you, you know, I, I just noticed right now we can talk literally an hour to two hours about what you're talking about right now. You know, tell me, you know, what, what do you what do you desire most about the future of Westworld and you enacting in it? Oh, gosh, what do I desire most? Just to continue to be a part of that family as long as uh, there's room for me. You know, um, I, I, that show, um, like I said, it was, it was, a, I had a really cool trajectory. My path on that and my journey on that show of where I started to where I am now um, is really, really cool. And I know that those opportunities don't come to everybody not every photo double has the opportunity to jump into stunts to then jump into an acting role. Like, right. um, so, so the fact that I was given that opportunity, I knew there was, you know, I was either meant to meet somebody very specific uh, along that line or meant to impact uh, somebody in a positive way along that line, because I know that that is not the average story that you hear um, <laughs> from, from people in, the film industry. That's kind of like what it's a, some people have told me like, Kate, that's, that's like the Hollywood story. Like that's how, right. you know, the dream of your background and now you're whatever major actor, actor, something right. like that. But you know, for me, it was, it, it came so naturally. It was not something that I pushed for or tried to take away. I was not trying to take anything from anybody. Um, and I, was just ready for the opportunity when it, when it presented itself. Um, you know, my, Caitlin, my dad was always like, just be ready. Just be ready. You never know who you're going to meet and what opportunity is going to come your way. So. It sounds like your, your parents were gigantic influences on your, in your on your life <laughs> and, and God bless them. Huge. You know, if, if you were able to say anything right now to, to your fans and we have to go, but but mm-hmm. quickly, what would you say to them, you know, about your experiences, about what you're going through? But really quickly, what would you say? Um, I really – there's two things that I live by. Um, like, one in the sense of, like, if your dreams aren't big enough to scare you, then they're not big enough. Um, I don't – you know, sounds cliche, but don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. Um so dream big and don't be frightened of it because it really can't happen for you. And then my dad always used to tell me um, to be good is not good enough if being better is an option, but being better is not good enough if being the best is an option. And I take that to heart in the sense of whatever you're doing, give it 150% um, and, and keep a pure, uh, you know, your mind pure and your soul beautiful while doing it because, you know, you don't want to, don't step on anybody to get to the next place because that's going to be short-lived. Um, your time will come, so. Well, Caitlin, please tell your fiancé that, that, that he's doing a great mm-hmm. job at keeping you safe. And if he's not, then, you know. <laughs> your dad's going to go beat him up, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy for you. You sound like a very happy person. Tell us, how can we reach you? How can we watch your stuff? Um, IMDb, Facebook, Instagram, what have you? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Instagram, I think is probably where I share the most, um, but it's, you know, at Caitlin Brooks, L-A, K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-B-R-O-O-K-E-L-A. Um, and, you know, for, you, you can find me on IMDb if you just search my name, if you want to see uh, stuff that I've worked on. Um, but I think Instagram, you know, Facebook, you can look me up the same way, just by my name. I'll be there. Uh, that's it. Well, well, Caitlin, <laughs> yeah. I, you, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna put you on hold, actually, as I secretly talk about, like what I secretly talk about my guests, and say what I love <laughs> about them. But you know, I'm gonna put you on hold. If you want to hang up, that's perfectly fine. But we're gonna give you a clap track out. You are an amazing guest. You're one of our top ten best amazing guests, mm-hmm. and, and we love you to death. And we only wish the best for you. And we can't wait to see the future for you because it's only going to be bright, only going to be bright. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so, so much. Let's, let's give you a clap track out here. And, and, and if you need anything, you, you please reach out. We, clap track out here. Caitlin Brooke. <laughs> the amazing Caitlin Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Bye girl. Bye. I'm going to put her on hold right now as we talk for just a couple seconds before we have to go because we're really sorely out of time. Let's put a little Claire de Lune on here as I talk to you. But listen, if you want to listen to a human being who, who knows who she is, who knows where she came from, who knows where she wants to be, that feels belonged and belongs. If you want to listen to a guest that is both lovely and gives out love. If you want to listen to a guest that is both kind and gives out kindness, this is the guest. I am sorely sorry if anything that we said today offends any of you. I, 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 I sincerely am sorry if it offends you. It was just the honest truth. You can't find as many people in the world that are as honest as she is. As truthful as she is as earnest as she is she talks about the things she loves the people that she loves it's obvious why people love working with her 12, 14, 16, 18 20 hours with her she's incredible an incredible human being that makes everybody feel delighted to be with her. Light and enlightened. She's one that touches everybody's souls. There's not many people in the world you can say that about. There's many people you can try to say that about. But not many that you can. I love their stories. 
I loved her friend coming in talking about how she loved being with her, how she was a special person. Those moments are impactful. They're special moments to teach you what does what makes this person the way they are. Well, I'll tell you what it is shortly. She's a good person. She says she does. She cares she does. She loves she does. She believes in what we believe in a God. She carries that through. She doesn't make you try to believe in those things. She doesn't try to force you to believe in those things. She just believes in those things earnestly and carefully. She follows her life in those guidelines. She follows her career in those guidelines. And it breathes her through. From freakish to Westworld to our new film by Christopher Nolan. Her future is so bright and so wonderful. Her empathy. Her ability to understand these things has left us to believe that she has nothing else but a bright future. Thank you so much, Caitlin Brook. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Steve Pisa, and this has been Cinephiles Radio. Have a great day. <laughs>